0: Welcome to What You're Reading Dude. It's Jamie, Lauren, and Lisa. This is our time to catch up and share what we've been reading and inspired by, hoping to stir some deeper conversations. No one person has time to read every book or listen to everything, but we figure this is a good way to trade ideas, expand our horizons, and maybe inspire you as well. Just a reminder, this is for us, this is for fun, and we are not experts.
1: I can't stop singing the music in my head. I won't oh, do it for copyright wait. reasons. Yeah. but
0: Wait, can you actually do it, though? And then I'll and then just cut know. it out because I da, forget. Da, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> when I was thinking Olympic song, like... For some reason, the theme song to Star Wars kept playing in my head. And my- I know that's not it. So, like, Very I need similar. you to, to tell <laughs> yeah. me what it
2: is. Okay. Just a couple hums, you know, is probably Just fine. Just a couple. <laughs> yeah, whatever. But, We're you not know, that good. <laughs>
1: no. Yeah, if they come for us, I mean... I wouldn't even argue what we did were notes.
2: So. I'm <laughs> <You're laughs> yeah. not that good at humming. Could you even tell what was happening? It feels so lucky that we got them just a couple months ago and now we yeah. get more Olympics already. I know.
0: Oh, I, I can. Love it. Fun fact. Well, you guys might have known this already, but I didn't when I was doing research for my thing. I'll talk about later. So they used to have summer and winter Olympics back to back. It used to be winter Olympics and then so like it would have been let's use this year's example, Winter Olympics in like February, and then Summer Olympics would be in July until like the... I think it was like 1992 was the first time. 92 or 94 was the first time they were separate. It's funny to me,
2: every time I've done like more research into the Olympics, it's funny to realize like how recently they have been like as standardized as they are now. Like every four years every like two years alternating like they're <laughs> when i was doing research into my thing too it's like oh the olympics aren't really that old
1: <laughs> and, and the sports too i mean like yeah. snowboarding started what in the 92 or 94 games mm-hmm. and you know they just added skateboarding last year and so it's cool to see sports being added last yes.
0: year was really the fir- first year i noticed the summer olympics because i feel like Maybe I just either wasn't paying attention during the old Olympics, but I feel like they really like made a big deal about saying like we have like eight new sports guys, <laughs> like let's go. <laughs> I don't know, it was fun. Yeah, I think it's because we're '90s babies, and a lot of these changes were happening when we were literal infants or not even thought of yet. So yeah, it's weird to think of the Olympics as like not. I don't know. Yeah. I always saw it as this like this never changing institution, and it's like. Oh, it's only, like, a 100 years old. And, like, they change things literally every year.
2: <laughs> well, and we, like, learn in school about the, like, Greek Olympics. Oh, yeah. And, like, it's been going since then every four years. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, That's then, definitely my impression.
2: <laughs> yeah. And there, like, have been full decades where just, like, nothing has happened. And then they bring it back. And <laughs> I remember, like, in middle school, going to a friend's house to, like, watch the opening ceremonies, like, Mm -hmm. in their basement. And that's, like, the first time I remember just, like, being so excited about it, like, seeing all the countries and, like, wow, this is amazing.
1: I remember I used to really like ice skating when I was in elementary school. I was like super into like Mm -hmm. Tara Lipinski, Michelle Kwan, Chrissy Yamaguchi. Yes. But then the first opening ceremony I remember watching, I think was uh, Athens in 2000. I was like, wow, this is like really cool. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, the performances have just gotten better and better since then. And they just... Blow my mind, like the 2008 Beijing Olympic opening yeah. ceremony.
2: Yeah, whoa,
0: <laughs> I remember where I was when I watched that one. Yeah, <laughs> it's like,
2: like the first one I really remember, like watching it and being like, This is really unique.
0: And well, because we talked about it for probably weeks after. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. just the sheer number
1: of people in that performance was yeah. like headline worthy. <laughs> Uh, But I feel like my family would treat it almost like the Super Bowl in terms of, like, snack quality. And that's how you knew it was a big deal. Oh, yeah. You get the pigs in the blanket, the chips. I might have to do that
0: this year. (laughs) Wow. We
2: have not done that. (laughs) No, we should,
1: though. I think I was watching the opening ceremony for last summer by myself on my phone. And I was like on your phone (laughs) or maybe it was on tv i can't remember (laughs) but like i was kind of just half-heartedly watching it
2: (laughs) i think i i was listening to something today about this like because the u.s broadcasts the olympics in such an interesting way but i think like especially for us on the west coast like the u.s does like the prime time thing and they like delay everything until like it's prime time for Yes, yeah. <laughs> but then on the west coast it's like 4 p.m and like we're all still working so I think I think it was airing like while we were at work <laughs> and so I, oh, it I think was, that's why yeah. I was watching it on my phone too and then for I think we were busy or something like <laughs> we just it wasn't like an evening event because it was happening at such a weird time
1: yeah Maybe we change that this year. (laughs) It's February. We need things to do. Yeah. (laughs) Do you all have favorite winter sports
0: you want to watch? Always ice skating. Always. Every single one. Apart from that obvious answer, I think I have no idea. (laughs) All of them. I plan on watching all all of them. them (laughs) Because I have to record them this year because I um, won't be near TV for like most of it.
2: I do really like most of them. I really like the snowboarding is fun, like the half pipe and whatever the, like, trick mm-hmm. trick ones. <laughs> tricks. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, I got like real I into that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got real into that last winter. Ice skating, of course. Curling's always fun. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like just, Hockey. like, stumbling upon some that I, like, don't know as well. Like, yeah. the... The like archery, skiing—I don't remember what it's called.
0: Yeah, I <laughs> Damn. know someone who does that, and I've always had questions for them. So, yeah, to watch those Olympics and find out what the hell love that a is. No sport. So cool. uh, I really
1: love speed skating too. Uh, like <laughs> on top of oh, what you all yeah, are yeah, talking yeah. about too. Yeah, speed skating super fun, and then the like bobsled, skeleton, mm-hmm. and
2: oh t- yeah, third
1: one where they're all just like shooting down yeah yeah those are fun high intensity i get yeah Yeah. i
2: get real into it it's i mean who knows what will happen this time but it's fun to like go to a bar and watch the olympics like like any other yeah like just like (laughs) get into it it's so much fun
1: especially like prime time coverage so Like NBC Sports, like it's great that they have so many different sports that you can kind of check in and out. But I remember last year in the Summer Olympics, it was kind of odd. Like I kept coming into events when there was a break and, you know, like I just wasn't doing a great job of kind of sequencing that. And it made me really appreciate that primetime footage where they're like, "Okay, they're taking a break. So
2: we're moving on to the next Mm. event here. And you're like, yeah, "Yeah, nonstop entertainment. (laughs) Yeah. I always like the primetime, too, but I've heard a lot of critiques of it. I think especially when the games are, like, going on in a different part of the world. And they're, like, acting like this is live and it happened, like, 12 (laughs) hours ago. And everyone knows, like, what's already (laughs) happened. Actually, that happened at midnight, but
0: (laughs) we'll just pretend. Very valid critique.
2: (laughs) I do like the, like, highlights reel, though. I always (laughs)
0: like knowing the medal counts.
2: (laughs) Oh, man. Well, I guess in the
1: spirit of the Olympics, obviously there's a lot of controversy and scandal going on. We're not talking about any of that today. We are talking about fun things, random history about sports, random things about sports. We got you. okay? (laughs)
0: we have it all.
1: And so to kick things off. We're going to talk about compulsory figures. What is that? So- <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you tell me. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so compulsory figures is an old tradition in ice skating. And so it used to be the predominant practice in ice skating before free st- skating became so popular so when you hear when you watch the olympics and you see the free skate like the short program and the long program I, it was always weird to me i'm like free skate as opposed to what like what is the other part that we're not
0: talking yeah. about Yeah, that's What's true. it's just like here's part. the short program yeah. here's the free skate <laughs> it's
2: like, i guess huh? i just thought it was up as opposed to like speed skating i didn't really think about it <laughs> That works too, like artistic.
0: Okay, artistic.
2: You're free to do what you want. (laughs) Oh my god!
1: Which totally tracks though, because compulsory. Tell us, us. yeah. So compulsory figures. There are a couple different names for that. I think you'll also see combined skating, but basically it's when ice skaters trace figures out in the ice and then trace over it two other times. So they, yeah, yeah. So they do this. Is Three that why times. it's called
0: figure skating? Because yes, you're tracing figures. Exactly. <laughs> what? My I own. know.
1: Oh my gosh! Please, Wait,
2: all. What? Yeah, yeah all of
1: you do a deep dive on this because it is <laughs> crazy. Because you know, it'd be one thing if it was like do a circle, do a couple circles, but it gets so intricate, and there's all these movements of like back and <gasps> forth and special moves. It's it is crazy. And so, I have a question. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Go for it. Um,
2: are they, like, making pictures in the ice? Are they, like, drawing, like, words? Or is it just, like, <laughs> is it just, like, <laughs> like, like contour drawing? <laughs> like,
1: oh, my God, mean? like, shading. Yeah. <laughs> it's geometric shapes. And so okay. it did start off with, I would say, the most popular figures became the figure eight, the three, and the Q shape. But then as it moved on to France, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here. But as it's evolved, it had more artistry put into it. And then you start to get these really complex geometric shapes. Uh, And ideally, these are done where the ice skater is only skating on one foot at a time. Wow. (laughs) So do they
2: have to, like, jump to the other foot? Yes. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And then there are times they have to just like jump and land back on the same foot to create a gap, you know? It's crazy. Okay. Uh, Yeah. I just Google image
0: searched this. um, Please do that. It is (laughs) like recommend Google just image searching. I'm going to watch so many videos after. My mind
2: is fully blown right now. I also, (laughs) um, there is, we'll
1: link this in the show notes, but there's a news report back from 1984 covering like tim hamilton doing them and it is hilarious i mean he's he's very skilled and this is a very <laughs> very intense skill to do. Mm-hmm. I, i'm just really impressed by the skaters but when you watch them all on the practice rink it it looks crazy because you're not focused on your body uh, i mean like you need to move your body to get the certain right. shape but the ice skaters are all looking down at the ground, focusing on their balance. Oh, and so it just looks really sad. Everyone's like,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, I didn't think about that. So yeah. yeah. So they're more concerned with the pattern and the not shapes, like in, in free skate. Yeah. It's more about like the artistry of like the way that they look.
1: Yeah, exactly. So
2: interesting. Okay. So wow. I'll I'll give a little
1: brief history on this, but I'll just preface all of this with saying, I learned about this back in elementary school when I was reading this book about Michelle Kwan. I cannot remember the name. That will not be in the show notes. I don't know. But ice skaters used to draw out the shapes on paper before they would go to the ice. You know, they need to really nail down what they were going to do. And so this book had some of those drawings in there. And I'm like, what? Like, there's no way an ice skater did this. And then I talked to a family member of mine who learned ice skating uh, when she was younger. And she's like, yeah, I learned how to do this. It was just part of your training. And I'm like, what? Like people our age are doing this? Wow. <laughs> oh. Why is it not in the Olympics anymore? I know. OK, well, let's get to it. So <laughs> Let's get into it. <laughs> OK, so there was this book that came out in the 1770s called The Art of Skating. And that's where the basic figures that people would then use in competitions to test proficiency. That's kind of where it all started. But when ice skating first became a sport, it was all about these figures. And so at first it was just simple geometric forms. Yeah, then you'd have clubs that really focused on them. And that developed all throughout the 18th and 19th century. But then France kind of took it on, and that's where you get more elaborate shapes. And I'm talking of like course. flowers, like, France. like Islamic geometric, like Getting crazy. hexagonal, crazy, like so beautiful and impressive. I think I also read that sometimes multiple skaters would work on these figures together, and that's where you'd get combined skating, which I need to see a oh, video on that. Interesting. <laughs> but there were all these moves, essentially, that came out of this. You had like the three-turn, the rocker, the bracket, the grapevine, the mohawk. And (laughs) there are some where you would have two feet at a time, but it was mainly just in transition. So, I mean, so much of this is happening on one foot, and then your other foot is called your balance foot. And I I don't really understand if that was worked into scoring at any Mm. point, but for championships and uh, different competitions – this used to be the predominant you know way you skaters would be scored, and I think it started to change in the nineteen forties yeah nineteen forty seven I think it started to kind of devalue in its score percentage and by nineteen sixty seven it was weighted equally as free skating. Mm let me back up a second in the previous competitions where it was the predominant way to score skaters would have to do anywhere from like 20 figures to 40 figures in some competitions
2: like wow, <laughs> and, and sometimes so, um yeah go so for a, it so a skater was doing both free skate and compulsory skate it wasn't just like a specialty compulsory skate at first and then
1: I forgot exactly when this came in, but then it started there started to be a four minute free skating routine. And I think that that might have been in the early 1900s. They're doing but Um, they're doing
2: like both, both parts. Yeah. Kind of like long and short, like everyone does both parts.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think that mainly came to be because when it evolved in France and became more artistic there was also a bigger emphasis put on your body movement and the grace mm-hmm. that you had sure. when you were making those shapes and I think that evolved into the free skate portion gotcha. so yeah you're mm. right there, there was like a four minute part wow but then in 1967 I, I don't know how long the free skate routine was at that point but it became equally weighted to the compulsory figure portion and that was mainly because what I read was that there were critiques that there were skaters getting unbalanced scores. So they would do really well in compulsory figures and not well in the free skate, or relatively yeah. not as well. And they would still win out. And so they were trying to level the playing field. Mm. But this just decreased across the next couple decades. I would say mainly because they weren't getting televised as much. So the compulsory figure events wouldn't get televised because they didn't really seem exciting enough. And it's really hard to see (laughs) these figures in the ice. I mean, they're just, you know, tracing it with one foot. You, I mean, you can barely see it. And given the definition of, you know, television quality back in the, mid 20th yeah. century like it, mm-hmm. it you know kind of hard not to as watch com- yeah not as no, compelling and it, yeah and it looked kind of you know like solemn like just like skaters like kind of focusing on the ground and making like really calm movements so it wasn't televised as much and so viewers ended up getting confused because they would see these amazing free skate routines on the televised portion and then those skaters wouldn't place as high oh. overall and they were like I don't You know, how is that possible? And I think there was also questioning Mm -hmm. after a while to the fairness of judges, because as uh, events got more televised, it opened viewers eyes to the judging. And then that, Mm -hmm. you know, evolved into judging becoming more equitable and more criticized. And so not having that for a whole half of the competition just brought a lot of skepticism to, I I think, the community. And so it just... Yeah, so between like 67 and the 80s up into 1990, you just saw it progressively become less and less important in the scoring for the competition. And you would have to do less figures. By I think the 1980s, you only had to do three. And that video I was watching where Tim Hamilton was performing one of those figures for the news I mean it was I, I'm not I don't want to discredit how complicated it was but it was basically like three circles that are intertwined with just I don't know the proper term but just kind of a loop at the end so it looked way simpler than some of the ones that you know they had in earlier centuries as well so mm-hmm. I feel like there was a like a lack of public accountability you know people weren't getting to see it it was losing popularity and the scoring you know was just less and less important. And so in 1990, they just got rid of it for most of the international and most national competitions. And typically they would just put it in its own category and then uh, eliminate that like later. And so I think the last US championship that it was in was in 1999. So oh. we actually did live through part of that. But at that point it it was so unpopular because if it's not important in competitions, you're not yeah. going to practice it. And then ice rinks weren't allowing skaters the time to work on that cuz I think that took a lot of time to get that muscle memory in. So mm-hmm. it's kind of fallen, I mean it's it's no longer in the Olympics. It's fallen out of popularity, but people still argue that it's important for beginners to learn those basic steps and control cuz you're I mean you're judged on your balance, your flow, the yeah. edge, you know. All these
0: really important things for skating. So that's yeah really I think it would be cool I mean I'm not a part of the figure skating community so they won't listen to what I say but <laughs> I think it would be really cool if they could bring it back kind of like they how they still have artistic gymnastics and rhythmic gymnastics it would it'd be cool if they could like add it to the competitions as like a here's a side option that yeah, you can definitely do
2: if you want to <laughs> You know, it should be like a different specialty, not like every skater has to do both. And then it's like, well, I'm good at this one, but not this one or whatever. Like, yeah, maybe some skaters just want to do compulsory skating and that can be its own like side thing. (laughs) Well, I just (laughs) want to watch them do it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And just
2: given how ice skating has
1: risen in competitiveness and the level of skill has you know increased so much even in our lifetimes Mm -hmm. if that was still an event in the olympics today i mean we would be seeing some crazy shapes happening you know because the spirit of competition you just keep upping each other
0: yeah i think it'd be really cool. cool to see
1: yeah i highly recommend Google imaging it. We will have links as well. It's really cool. And they have some pictures of ice skaters, you know, standing next to a figure they've just skated out with, like, black ice or blue ice. Something darker where you can see the figure more clearly. Yeah. And it's just incredibly impressive.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, cool. Ice skating is really... It looks so freaking hard. Well and we went we went recently and like it's hard to just stand on two feet like and lift a foot more than a couple inches off the ground. Like I don't know how they're like fully on just one foot with the other foot like perpendicular. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Cracks me up too. Ever since we went ice skating, every time I see a video on Instagram that's ice skating, I just want to send it to everyone and be like, we could do this. And it's just (laughs) absurd how athletic that sport is.
2: Yeah, that was like the big joke. I was like, I'm going to take lessons and I'm going to be doing all these flips. (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm just like shuffling around. (laughs) It's so impressive. It, it takes so much muscle and control. and
1: Yeah. Uh, also, stamina. those athletes
2: are so intense. I watched a drama on Netflix. I'll have to remember the name. But it's about, like, some ice skaters. There's also some other <laughs> dramatic things that happen. Okay. <laughs> Intriguing.
0: Intriguing. <laughs> it
2: just seems like I grew up, like, watching a lot of ice skating movies and stuff, too. I've always mm-hmm. loved it. But... I don't it just seems like such an intense sport. Like they're so intense. Agreed. And it's like skate through the pain, like, yeah. you know. Well it
1: reminds me of gymnastics in feet, that way. Like
2: whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: That and like ballet. I think there's between ballet, the three yeah, of those sure. there yeah, the intensity is very comparable, but mad respect.
0: Thanks for teaching us, Lisa. So today I'm gonna talk about one of the most iconic moments in Winter Olympics history, which was the first ever appearance of the Jamaican bobsled team, in 1988. Woo! Yeah. Hell yeah! Woo. Yes. Hell yeah. Go to Jamaica. Woo. Okay. <laughs> so this team is <laughs> insane because they had only been training for five months. Five months prior to the games. Oh my god. That's it. The team consisted of Dudley Stokes, Devin Harris, Michael White, and Chris Stokes. And Chris Stokes was actually a last-minute replacement, which I'll talk about later. He was actually only at the games to watch his brother Dudley compete, but they needed a fourth person randomly, so he joined the team no way um (laughs) yeah yeah i'll tell that story later so then out of those four michael and dudley were also entered into the two-man bobsled i'm gonna turn on my screen for a minute because i have to show you guys pictures of these men (laughs) because you have like wow yeah look at these hell yeah fine 80s men (laughs) look at those shorts (laughs) oh my god they're like briefs i don't know where to look
1: right now there's so
0: much there's a lot this is like one of the first pictures that comes up when you google the jamaican bobsled team i did not search like (laughs) shirtless (laughs) sexy jamaican bobsled team like they're just this hot like this is who they are and then i found this other funny photo of them in like (laughs) turtlenecks with some weird looking oh white dude who could oh be 20 God. or could be 70 the guy, on,
2: the guy on the left almost looks like will smith like these are <laughs> yeah. so attractive I dudes. Like,
0: yeah these guys are fucking hot
2: so yeah that
1: dad on the right
0: <laughs> he looks like a dad <laughs> the white dad on the right <laughs> oh he just looks like really awkward in a suit and then <laughs> there's four hot black men with turtlenecks next to him Ooh. i love it anyway had to share my screen for that a minute. That was an aside. Yes. yes. Please Google. <laughs> a loss Everyone for words. Google immediately. Yes,
1: yeah, please. <laughs> we will include that photo. <laughs> oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yes. Yeah.
0: For all the people who just <laughs> listen to us break down yeah. a photo. It will be on the Instagram. <laughs> mm-hmm. You you bet your butts. <laughs> so I don't remember if I said this already. But team was coached by Howard Seiler, who was a United States bobsledder in seventy two and eighty so basically how it all started how the whole shebang came to light was in the summer of 1987 a man named George Fitch who was a former attache for the American Embassy in Kingston Jamaica went to a wedding and he was at this wedding and he mentioned to a Jamaican military officer and former soccer player named Ken Barnes that the athletes in a Jamaica are so talented that they should be able to compete in any sport, including winter sports. Later that trip, it didn't really specify when. He went to the country's annual push cart derby. And I would describe push carts like a mix between go-karts, bumper cars, and downhill sledding. So they're like downhill like race cars. They have wheels, but no engines. And I'm getting this part all from Cool Runnings, which I'll talk about later, which is a movie based on this story. Mm -hmm. But in the movie, like children were like laying on the front of these sleds and helping like direct it while there was an adult in the back like steering and pushing the cart and using their feet like they would like a razor scooter. Oh my God. That's just, it's another reason you need to watch Cool Runnings, which I'll talk about. Because it was a very funny scene. And you can tell what the hell I'm talking about with a push cart. But Fitch and his friend William Maloney, like two white American rich men, thought that the carts looked like bobsleds. And Fitch had this great idea that the nation's sprinters, because there are so many talented sprinters in Jamaica, would do fantastic. Pushing, or like it would translate really well into bobsled. So they like uh, put out these announcements or advertisements basically trying to get people to like sign up to help start this program and it was all like this is such a cool sport and look how dangerous it is and you're gonna go 85 miles an hour they really wanted jamaica's sprinters but most of jamaica's sprinters were not willing to participate because they were training for the 1988 summer olympics obviously yeah they're so, busy. Like we mentioned, yeah. <laughs> like we mentioned earlier, like, this was when Olympics were still in the same year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, they were like, I'm not going to get dangerous things happening to me in February and then, like, miss my chance at my summer game. So. No, thank right. you. Hmm. So <laughs> the two guys went to the Jamaican Defense Force, which is the military, to ask for volunteers. And w- at the military, they recruited finger quotes recruited some of the military's top runners i put finger quotes around recruited because one of the guys on the team said that like what happened was a colonel like suggested it to him but because he was a captain and the colonel was his superior like he did what he was told and he like took out his orders and obeyed his orders oh. and they he had a ton of fun doing it they all loved it i'm not saying it was like a bad thing but like it was kind of seen as like well, like, maybe I wasn't really recruited. Maybe I was more, like, told to do this. So I mm-hmm. did it. Still had a great lot of fun, you know. None of these men had even seen a bobsled before. So, which I was like, oh, my God. Like, can you imagine? And then I was sitting there and I was like, have I ever seen a bobsled? <laughs> <laughs> Apart that's from on TV, question. like, I don't think I've seen one in person. So I was like, maybe this is not that big of a deal. I mean, I'm not trying to go to the Olympics, but maybe But could not you that imagine...
1: Crazy. Being recruited to a sport you've <laughs> never heard of before, and then you see this like wedding car thing, and it's like, so you're all gonna go in that and go run down this icy slalom this thing, like
2: like yeah. go down a slide, like in a yeah. weird go kart you can't really
0: see, yeah.
1: <laughs> and it's gonna be on a world stage. We're going yeah. to be
0: eleven. Yes. <laughs> oh man, so. Fitch, who's the former attache, used his own money to help train the team, and he hired some coaches from the U.S. and Austria. And then the team over, like, the five-month period trained in Austria and Lake Placid. So while they were in Austria, they took part in a World Cup race so they could qualify for the Olympics. So they qualified, but the IOC still tried to disqualify the team shortly before the Olympics started. I could not find any reason as to why. It was just like every single article I read was like, yeah, the IOC tried to stop them. But it was like, why, though? Okay. But various luminaries, including Prince Albert of Monaco, stepped in and pled for them to participate. And they were eventually granted access. And I'm just like, what? Wow. Prince Albert was just like, you know, I want to see this. I, I got to see this for myself. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> but I love it. Thank you, Prince Albert, because you, you helped us a lot. So they got to the Olympics and originally they were only planning on competing in two man. Um so there's basically like two man sleds and four man sleds. Originally they were just going to go two man, but when they did the two man competition was first and their team on the two man got 30th out of 41. So they're like, that's actually pretty good. Like we've been doing this 5 months and we beat 10 other countries. So mm-hmm. we can do the four man. So they decided to take on the four man as well. And then I was thinking, like, how, though? Because normally you have to qualify, but it turns out an agreement was reached with... <laughs> I just love this. With the International Bobsleigh and Tobogganing Federation prior to the games that allowed them to enter the four because they had a two. So any country that was in a two could be in a four. So they just got lucky and, like, were able to join the competition. So really quickly... They became very popular at the Olympic Games because, A, we all saw those photos. (laughs) You got (laughs) to love them. And they also were like big underdogs. They're a tropical island nation competing in a cold weather sport, like the coldest weather sport, like need ice, like glaciers. Slides. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Weather sport. (laughs) The American media loved them. And I found an article that said, I thought this was funny, after the like- really early on and like kind of embarrassing elimination of the u.s hockey team a lot of tv stations needed something to fill airtime so they just chose to focus on the jamaican bobsled team that's awesome <laughs> i was like way to go america you did something right today like <laughs> i just loved that also, but like i said americans they
1: just, love an underdog story yeah i mean yeah we, yeah, can we really rally behind it
0: yeah oh, we can absolutely that's why we know
1: yeah, this we story
0: can. like mm-hmm.
2: and turn it into a movie and we love an underdog
0: (laughs) movie story for real and sports montages i'll talk about that later Mm -hmm. it's so good (laughs) so they were at the games they decided to join the four-man team but um slight problem they did not have a four-man sled so they ended up (laughs) selling t-shirts and raised money to help them purchase a practice sled from the canadian team Oh it was like, God. of course it was the nice Canadians who were like, okay, you can buy our sled for moms. <laughs> I love that. if you sell some t-shirts for yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So I don't know if I ever said this, but the 1988 Olympics were in Calgary. So once they got to Calgary, their teammate Casewell Allen was like originally on the team, but got injured during a test run on a frozen lake. And that's what led to Chris Stokes replacing him. Chris Stokes was literally only there to cheer on his brother. And they had three days before the competition to teach Stokes everything they knew about pushing and bobsledding. He had never been in one before. Three days to learn. Wow. What the hell, guys? (laughs) Um,
1: I'm so impressed.
0: I know, I and think think then I, I, read I could it. do it. How I can? think I could do it. I think I could do it. <laughs> this is the cutest part that Chris Stokes actually like now is the head of the Jamaican Bobsled Federation, like uh, runs everything, and it's wow. like, oh my God, he really loved it. <laughs> it's so cute. Okay, I don't know if that's still the way it works, but the way the bobsleigh worked in the nineteen eighty eight Olympics was each team had four runs. So each team goes down the slidey slide four times. And it's, I think it's like an average of the times, like, wins. So their first run did not go well. Because when Dudley jumped into the sleigh, the push bar broke. And it just somehow, like, slowed down their sled or something. So I think they ended up getting, like, third to last or second to last. Like, didn't do too well. The second attempt also was not good because Mike White, when he was like jumping in, they like all coordinatedly jump in the car. He struggled to sit down and he was like fully standing up even like around the first corner. So it took him like 15 seconds to sit down instead of three. So they didn't do that well on the second round. And then the third run, the team crashed after turn nine and slid on their heads for a super long time i'm going to show you guys a video it's like super scary we'll link the video on the show notes or post it somewhere but like recommend you looking it up it looks terrifying but full disclosure they're all okay they like all stood up a few seconds later so no one was hurt badly but i would need to show you this this one's really cute because this is Devin something or another so he like talks through and it's some weird thing the Olympic channel has where they like commentate over their own runs so oh. Devin I think is that guy right there and he's like you know pretending he's a commentator mm. so this is the third run this is the run you can see they like run push it and then I'll have to jump in really quickly and sit down and like close those bar things and then now they just get really tight and go around turns Mm-hmm. And then they keep like the going around side. turns. Do, 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 oh god, do, do, they're flying! Do, 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 do. They're going 85 miles an hour. Oh my god! When they turn, when they oh fall, which is like right here. Yeah, 85? That's insane! Look. Oh my god! Oh, fuck! <laughs> Just wait, it's still going. It's still going. They're going they're around like side. they go around like six turns on <gasps> their fucking heads like that. It's still going. Yeah, like their heads are being banged
2: around because yeah. they're on their sides
0: there's and ne- then this nothing. this is an awful do. view coming up right here it's like look at that guy's head oh my god as he goes dragging around the corner so I like mean, that, that was is how intense toilet. yeah we'll post that video so you can watch it but like i said it looks awful they all were totally fine The guy at the end said, like, don't worry about them. All they have is some, like, a couple bruised egos or something like that. I thought it was funny. Like, at least we know their safety gear works. That's good to know. Um, (laughs) Great silver lining, Jamie. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly, they have to have amazing safety gear. So when the sled tipped, they were going 81 miles an hour. And their helmets scraped down the wall for 600 meters. That's like a third of a mile they were scraping their heads down yeah there's Um, and there's literally
2: nothing they could do like they're stuck in there Mm
0: -hmm. one of the guys said of the crash chris stokes said he felt a little bump when they tipped but did not realize they had turned over until he started to smell his fiberglass helmet friction burning on the ice and he said that is the smell that lived with me for many years afterwards Oh, wow. my God. Because, like, they're
1: all like just, like, heads down, right? Like, they're, yeah.
0: like. Yeah. Oh, my God. He said it was super crazy disorienting, as you would imagine it would be. But thank God, like I said, they were all okay. They all got up and pushed their sled to the finish line while the crowd applauded. And the, it says the disappointed team members waved to the crowd, shook hands with the number of their fans, and then picked up and carried off their sleigh. After the crash, they got technically like a did not finish result. So they ended up not like placing at all. So basically Mm. like they're below last place. Mm. So that's kind of the end. But like, was it though? Because the story inspired the 1993 Disney movie Cool Runnings, which I'll talk a little bit more about in a minute. But also after the 1988 games, all these guys loved bobsledding fell in love with the sport they all came back to the 1992 olympic games in Albertville, france and finished 25th but in the 1994 olympics in Lillehammer, norway critics were stunned when they ended up finishing in 14th place which was ahead of russia u.s australia and france so like in what was that five years they went from never seeing a bobsled before to being like within the top 15 teams in the world. So that's incredible. Yeah. These guys were awesome. So I think the last year they ended up going was in 1998, but a two man bobsled team was able to qualify to the, for the 2014 winter Olympics, but they ended up lacking funding and weren't going to be able to go. But within two days, the cryptocurrency Dogecoin, which I did not even know existed no in 2014, raised, oh my god, 2014. yeah, Sorry. raised thirty thousand dollars on the team's behalf, and then through crowdfunding, they were able to go to the Olympics and finish twenty seventh. So like, Dogecoin in 2014 is partly responsible for the Jamaican bobsled <laughs> team being oh at the Olympics. Oh my god! How what? crazy! Yeah. yeah. And then 2018, a two-woman team competed for the first time in the Pyeongchang Olympics and finished 19th. And as of 2022, Jamaica has never won an Olympic medal in bobsled, but this year is the first ever time that Jamaica has qualified in three events, the two men's, the four men's, and the women's mono bob. And it's the first time in 24 years since I think like the Stokes brothers were still on the team that the four men's has made it back to the Olympics. So very exciting this year. We'll all have to take a look, cheer That's on so our exciting. Jamaican bobsled team. Last couple of things. Like I said, this whole story inspired, loosely inspired <laughs> the Disney movie Cool Runnings, which I watched last night and highly recommend. It's on Disney+. Plus. I don't think I I had definitely never seen it. And it had me oh, laughing. So oh, my God, it's so good. And I was like, I'm in love with all of these men. Of course, they got beautiful actors to play the beautiful men. And it's just like so good. They kind of, yeah, played fast and loose with the facts. Like in the movie, I think technically <laughs> it's like a mechanical error on the sleigh that causes the crash. But then realistically, it was like, just driver error and the fact that they were like only been doing this for five months and had too much speed. So, Hmm. you know, the director was John Turtletaub and he was quoted as saying, we would never get away with today. The changes that we made to this true story, but the feeling is the same. The tone is the same. The ambition is the same. The absurdity is the same. And the main key events are the same. So, you know, It's a lot of, like, the whole, like, story on how they got to creating the Olympic team is all BS, (laughs) but, like, once they get to the Olympics, they even, like, used some actual footage. Love the movie. It was so many, like, montages of people getting good at sports, and so many horrendously ugly and awesome 90s sweaters, and, like, really cute, like, Jamaican pride and black pride and like, you know, 1993 when this movie came out, and the most dramatic slow clap that i think i've ever heard in my life it like <laughs> made me burst out laughing so i was like mm-hmm. this is the most intense slow clap i've ever seen but yeah it's great movie great true story exciting winter olympics things that
1: was awesome i definitely want to go watch cool runnings now um, you have
0: to oh my yeah. god i was also- laughing so hard
1: yeah, I I haven't watched it since I was a kid, so I need to see how it holds up. But I can't wait to check them out in the Olympics. And can we come back to mono bob for a second? Yeah, So you could I don't do one is. person? I guess. I want to do that. That's awesome. Lisa <laughs> the mono
2: bob. Mono <laughs> So I researched the history of curling for this episode. Yay! I feel like curling has a resurgence every time the Olympics comes around. I don't know if do you guys know like what the rules are for curling. I feel like I have to re I have to like refresh my memory every time. I that's just feel I like it's, burn.
1: like, ice bocce with, like, yeah, with yes, brooms.
2: That's <laughs> exactly what I remember of it, too. It's, like, giant ice bocce or, like, a <laughs> shuffleboard. <laughs> shuffleboard. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah, it's it's such a funny one. I like it, though. I really like the American team because they look like a bunch of frat dads. <laughs> like a bunch of dads who used to be in frats who really enjoy yard games. <laughs>
1: And, like, the air, the Yarky. event was open, and they were like, yeah, okay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> They're cute. That. And then all the other countries have, like, really intense, like, athletes playing curling, and then you've got, like, America's, like, brat dads. <laughs> 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 like, you can just imagine them having, like, a beer yeah. in their hands. Amazing. <laughs> I can go through the roles really quick as a reference. Yeah, please. It's obviously, it's an Olympic sport. Each player slides stones on a sheet of ice, which is called the pitch, I think. And at, the, at each end, there are four concentric circles. And so they're like playing towards one end. There are two teams with four players. And they take turns sliding like these huge granite rocks that they call stones like towards the bullseye basically which is called the house and then the circular <laughs> the like the middle of it call, is called the button so they're trying to get as close oh. to the button as possible <laughs> and then the scoring works that like they each throw eight stones like in a round so each person throws twice And they alternate between teams. And then whoever gets it closest to the middle wins that round. And then they get multiple points if, like, they have other stones, like, close to the center without, like, the other team being closer. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you have your closest one is, like, close to the middle and then you have another one kind of close to that. Yeah. You'd get two points if, like, the other team has one, like, kind of further out than that. (laughs) If that makes any sense. It's hard to explain like without a diagram, (laughs) but it gets kind of intense sometimes like with measuring and stuff. It's kind of like in football when they like bring the measuring tape out, like they're like, okay, which one's closer we have to measure. This is something I learned today. The like, the ice is like kind of pebbly. They like spray water on it. So it's kind of rough.
0: Oh, Um,
2: I read somewhere. It's like kind of the texture of like an orange peel. And that's to, like, give the stone, like, some texture to, like, roll over. And it was saying that, like, because of the shape of the stone and the, like, bubbly texture, it kind of helps it, like, move further, which sounds counterintuitive. Maybe it gets, like, less surface tension or something. And then the, the brooms, which we've all seen, the, like, sweeping, because it has, like, a texture, the sweeping actually does, like, help it go further I always wonder like, what
0: the sweeping was for
2: yeah and if they do it hard enough it like creates friction and they can kind of like create like a smoother path for the stone to go certain ways like they were saying it's not gonna like completely change the tr- trajectory of a stone but it can kind of influence how far it goes mm-hmm. yeah I think it was saying it can go up to like six feet further if like a sweeper is doing a good job
1: okay that could be everything <laughs> at the olympics six,
2: feet six feet's a be... lot mm-hmm. yeah and then obviously they're trying to get as many like the most points wins and there are either eight to ten rounds and then into the like history obviously with most things there's not like a clear mm-hmm. founding moment yeah. but they have records from around the 1500s that indicate maybe like in Scotland some stones were thrown around on ice as a game. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> <laughs> sounds right. Um, sounds
0: right. <laughs> and then it
2: and then it was saying they found some paintings from a 16th century Flemish artist <laughs> called Peter Bruegel who <laughs> like painted some scenes of people like throwing stones on ice. I looked at them and I was like That looks questionable to me. (laughs) It's like,
0: I see no ice.
2: There were, like, people on ice. I was like, I see stones, but that's not really indicating to me that they're, like, playing a game with stones. But, you know, I'm no historian.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like... Throwing stones on ice just feels like a human tradition. You're like, look at that (laughs) ice. We're
2: all just like throwing stones around, aren't we? (laughs) This is a fun fact. The world's oldest curling stone and the world's oldest football are kept in the same museum. (laughs) (laughs) In Stirling, Scotland, I think. Wow. Cool. Sources seem to indicate that it was started like... In Scotland, maybe like in the Netherlands. It makes sense to me that it would start like in a cold northern European yeah. climate. They're saying it, it's really similar to bocce and shuffleboard and like other games like this that were kind of developed in the similar area. Maybe this was like a winter version.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I buy it.
2: Yeah, so obviously it was originally played outside on ice and then a little history of like the stones themselves so the olympic curling stones now weigh between 38 and 44 pounds so that's like freaking heavy yeah that's a lot heavier than i thought (laughs) the granite is harvested from a specific island off the west coast of scotland called the isla craig that
0: kind of course people
2: are saying kind of looks like a curling stone I think that's also questionable, okay. but you can look it up for yourself.
0: <laughs> I'm looking this up.
2: Isle of Craig? People like to, you know, find meaning out of things. <laughs> so, the, like, early versions of the stone, like, varied widely in size. There wasn't, like, a handle on it. They think early versions had, like, kind of holes in them. Kind of like a bowling ball. <laughs> <laughs> the sport. I love it. And they... <laughs> It didn't have a handle. They varied, like, widely in size. They basically were just, like, smoothen stones they found, like, in a river. <laughs> like, we'll just throw these around on the ice. I don't know. Sounds like a good idea to me. That feels right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. you <laughs> like, I'm doing the history of, like, a yard game. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm picturing. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, eventually, like, people started, like, throwing some iron on the top, and that made a handle. (laughs) For fairness. Yeah. (laughs) Around the 1800s, it became, like, a more circular granite stone, and then it was standardized to the, like, Olympic standard in the 1900s. (laughs) I like the idea. Them just like throwing bowling balls around on ice. What is happening? (laughs) And someone's like, "We gotta standardize this." Really trust that ice? Yeah. You're like, yeah. Put a freaking bowling ball on it. A really interesting sport. So different than all the other sports of the Olympics. (laughs) Hundred percent. Yeah. So people think that the name comes from the direction that the stone goes, like it kind of curls down the ice. Oh, um, okay, I feel that. Yeah. And and today they say like if the if you're throwing a stone and it kind of turns one way or another like and I giving it a spin, that's called curling it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Sounds arbitrary to me. Whatever, that's fine. It also could be from like the sound that the stone makes across the ice, like the pebbling, like the, kind of ooh. The... I don't know. Sounds questionable. <laughs> we'll just go with it. <laughs>
1: The first theory holds water in my book. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Sometimes I think they're just like, we don't know where this name came from. We'll just make up a reason. That's fine. Also, like, the Scots came up with the name, so I can just imagine them them being like, oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) Curling it down there. (laughs) Oh, my God. That was the most Canadian Scottish person I've ever <laughs> I know, that was really bad.
2: <laughs> I loved it. So, yeah, it, like, developed in Scotland, and then with imperialism and immigration, it obviously spread all over the place, as all of the culture and customs did. <laughs> when the Europeans were, like, moving everywhere, it took off. The most in Canada and New Zealand, which makes sense because they're both pretty cold climates, and they were like a colony. Yeah. So the first rules were drawn, like the first like official rules were drawn up in Scotland, and they were adopted by the Grand Caledonian Curling Club, which what? was started. Hell in yeah! So this is like this. This was in 1838. So this is when it starts to become more of like a formal game versus just, like, a fun yard game where, like, the rules are passed from person to person. They're finally like, okay, what are the rules, guys? We're going to write them down. Make it
1: official. I love it. Yeah.
2: That. This was a really funny story. Four years later, so that was in 1838, so in, like, 1842. They bring a demonstration to Queen Victoria, and I don't really know how they did this. I guess they, like, brought some, like, modified version that was not on ice to the palace to show Queen Victoria, and they're like, look what we can do. (laughs) She was so amazed. (laughs) She was so amazed that she gave permission for the club to become the Royal Caldonian Curling Club. (laughs) She was really into it. That must have been one really <laughs>
1: impressive demonstration.
0: I know. That her really people nice. must have been really bored back then. <laughs> Look, he's sweeping. I
2: know. Well, can you imagine being her and, like, she has to hold, you know, time for the people to come and show her different things? And she's like, what's happening all the time? (laughs) And
1: maybe the other things earlier in the day were, like, duds. And she was like, this, this I can get behind. This
2: looks fun. Yeah, we should make this, like, a royal sport. As it was kind of spreading worldwide, regional tournaments started to happen, like, in colder climates it just like continued to kind of take off in the colder climates eventually it started to spread into the U.S. and the U.S. being innovative as it is they were like we're taking this indoors and we are gonna learn how to play this in <laughs> places where we don't have frozen ponds
1: Jamaica wow. no I'm kidding <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: yeah.
0: look let's get it yeah. started guys so <laughs>
2: they started to learn how to like convert warehouses they would put like a thin layer of water on the floor and like freeze it it still had to be cold enough in that environment to freeze but but no risk of dying
0: through ice
2: so (laughs) and i feel like it'd be really hard to play like a standardized sport on like a lake (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like with yeah. like the bumps and that's a good irregularity
1: point. of the thickness.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah, the first American curling club was in Detroit, which also makes sense. Hmm. Pretty far cool. north, very close to Canada. In 1924, it appeared at the Olympics for the first time wow as a demonstration sport which i just learned is like it's not an official sport but they're like you know we just want to show you a new sport they're really like, into demonstrating no curling. Involved, but
1: <laughs> just like see it
2: you'll we you'll just get want it you'll <laughs> like be exposed you know this could <laughs> be <laughs> us someday
0: this is culture right here we you want guys you to be experiencing <laughs> this culture. Is culture culture
2: yeah, so apparently that was oh, nineteen twenty-four. No. So that was freaking almost a hundred years ago. Oh my god. I guess in two thousand six they retroactively were like that should have gotten real medals, we'll make that like a real sport. So in two thousand six they awarded the winner U- the UK a gold medal for a nineteen twenty four like curling win. <gasps> what? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Who <laughs> we're just giving out medals <laughs> who cares yeah it showed up again in 1932 as a demonstration sport but there's just was not enough competition only Canada mm-hmm. and the U.S. came Canada obviously smoked the U.S. they're killing way it to the go curling. Canada way to go <laughs> it's like their national sport and so it didn't like really it disappeared from the Olympics after that Obviously, there were some wars and stuff. In the 1950s, it really took off. They're like, we need more recreation. We need more sports. (laughs) We need more ice yard games. So it took off like a lot in the 1950s. The International Curling Federation was developed in 1968. Further standardization of the sport allowed it to go to the Olympics. So. It showed up as a demonstration sport, but you know, it was still kind of acting like a yard game. Like there was not a lot of standardization <laughs> of it. Yeah. I don't know if they're using like different sized stones or what, but <laughs> it's
1: like... I don't know what was happening over there. Yeah.
2: It needed to yeah. grow up. It really they're needed like, to get that's it, get
0: it together. a fun
2: yard game. That's not an Olympic sport. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And, like, I think that sentiment kind of carries through to today. I think a lot of people still are kind of like, that looks cool, but it doesn't really look like that intense. Or does it really require that much training or whatever? It just kind of looks like a fun thing. They're
0: just sweeping.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean... I think it's probably pretty hard. I've never tried it personally. Well, I didn't realize the stone is
0: 40 pounds. I don't think that would be easy. I don't think I could get that (laughs) stone all the way
2: down there. Um, And
1: the precision needed, you know?
2: Definitely. I thought this was really interesting. So, like, since it was in that first Olympics, 1924, till it arrived in the Olympics as a sport, it went through, like, a series of changes to make it become more standardized. So... There was like the invention of artificial ice, so it was no longer just like frozen water. Like with all kind of ice skating rinks and stuff, they learned mm. how to like refrigerate ice to like make it super smooth and like, oh yeah, make it really standard. Like you know what you're gonna get every time.
1: <laughs> Pretty the amazing push. when you think about it. It, it is. is,
2: and I was trying to learn about how it was how it actually is made it's like a sailing solution or sailing pipes or something i don't Hmm. i'm not totally sure everyone can go and research that um (laughs) yeah so the brooms used to be just like straw broom what are they that you just have in your house obviously now they're more of like a side like a push broom and then the bristles are synthetic something i'm not sure you used to, like, stand on a pedestal and throw the rock down towards the end. What? <laughs> because it, the, the like, the pitch, the, like, field used to be a lot shorter. At some point, I think, like, in the 30s, some young dude was like, what if we, like, push off and, like, slide it? So they used to be, like, throwing it kind of like a bowling ball. Oh, my God. <laughs> and <then> they're like... <laughs> This like young bro was like, let's <laughs> do it another way. And all the old dads were like, uh, huh. huh, that's not how we played it all yeah. these years. <laughs> yeah.
1: But the ice won't break.
2: Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the podcast I was listening to was kind of interesting. They're like, well, normally like changes in sports are not really well received because, you know. Sports Change. ballers really like to do things the way they've always been done. Yes, but, tradition. But the guy, yeah, the guy who was talking, and I'll link all the things I listened to, but he was like, I think maybe they were more receptive to it because it was typically like a kind of an older generation sport. And this kind of young guy came in with like an innovation They're <laughs> like... Kind of introducing more, like, accuracy and precision into the sport. And they're like, maybe this will, like, open it up to a new crowd.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Younger bros. Way to go. (laughs) Yeah, so they
2: develop that kind of, like, wedge thing that they put their back foot on to, like, push off of. Mm. And then the hog line, they can't pass. They have to, like, let go of the stone when they're sliding it. Before that line, they can't, like, pass it otherwise. They could, like slide yeah. all the way to the end of the thing yeah <laughs> so that was interesting it's also just really funny to think about them throwing like bowling balls again yeah the <laughs> definitely oh God, dangerous.
1: <laughs> i just feel like the ice would crack immediately and if it's you didn't I go in the-
2: pounds and you're just chucking it oh. yeah. <laughs> i know it's interesting i could see yeah, the ice rinks so just
1: being like Yeah, let's change to this more innovative solution. (laughs)
2: Let's not throw them. Let's push them. We'll be gentler. (laughs) I think all of those, like, kind of different things working together kind of brought it back to on the table as to be considered for the Olympic Games. Mm. Um, The Curling Federation was kind of pushing for it to be an Olympic sport. But I think all of these, like, innovations made it seem more like a like a sport. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) So, in 1988, it came back as a demonstration sport. The host country, Canada, was like, I guess the host country can pick a sport to demonstrate. They're like, you know, maybe we could bring this someday. And Canada was like, we're going to show you curling again because we want this to be a sport because we are really good at it. (laughs) (laughs) then that was in 1988 and then in 1992 the international olympic committee granted official medal status to the women's and men's curling and they said curling could be an official sport in the olympic winter games in 2002 but if they wanted to bring it in 1998 they could and so it arrived in 1988 as an official olympic sport for the men's and women's curling team where eight teams came and then in 2002 the Salt Lake City winter games ten teams came which was not that long ago 20 years and then mixed doubles so that's normally it's like four people on a team all the same sex they brought mixed doubles which is only two people on a team one male and one female in 2018 recently like kind of starting in 2007 and then really in Beijing With the winter olympics in 2014 curling has become more popular in asian cultures and so you're seeing more of like the asian team show up which is kind Mm. of cool cool i didn't read too much into this but i think the curling federation is trying to bring curling to like countries that are not wealthy enough to have like an ice skating rink so they're currently Mm. developing something called floor curling which can be played kind of like on a gym floor maybe <laughs>
1: that's fun so I don't like, really know what, what shuffle board, like. Like, but like Whoa.
2: yeah but, but I think giant. the stones like are on wheels and there's not really any sweeping what? involved but I think they're currently like trying to develop Intriguing. it like in Africa and they're like we want you to play curling too but <laughs> it's kind of cool they're trying to like make it more equitable <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I can just I
0: imagine <laughs> a bunch of like dads showing up and like we love the sport. Curling. <laughs> she is, like, curling! <laughs> you um, love it. <laughs> like, okay. But
2: it is interesting, it's traditionally like kinda like with the Bobsled story you told, like it's traditionally a very like Nordic sport. Um and Canada always does well. And like a lot of countries that like snow is snow and ice are common or wealthier nations that can have like indoor ice yeah. facilities. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to think about how it could be brought to places where that's not as common. I yeah, it's
1: definitely two-sided because it's great to extend that to other countries. But the other side of that, too, is like when countries get pushed to start having things that their country can't necessarily afford. You know, I don't. Definitely. Yeah, not yeah, not super well-versed in that, but. But, you know, maybe there are some people in tropical <laughs> countries that are like, I
2: want to get into maybe this Maybe Jamaica sport. needs a curling <laughs> team now. Yeah. Or maybe they'll bring it to the Summer Olympics and they'll be like, we got summer curling
0: too. That would yeah. be so interesting.
1: I mean, yeah. let's get shuffleboard on the event calendar.
0: <laughs> yeah. They have badminton <laughs> and table tennis. I learned a lot today. Yeah. I didn't so really know anything excited.
1: about it. I want to play it one day. <laughs> oh my god, I go to an ice rink.
0: <laughs> and then Sprinkle it with salt or something to get that. Because the, the floor is not smooth. God, I had no idea. I learned so much today. There are so many stories out there. Oh my gosh, yeah.
1: If you enjoyed the Olympics, just <laughs> Google search in random words. like You're going to find yep. a treasure nice trove. a story <laughs> for
2: everyone.
0: And it's just crazy
1: to think of the sports that have come into the Olympics within our lifetimes. You know, as Mm -hmm. we've gotten more aware of the Olympics, you just kind of assume it's all been that way forever. Like we were saying earlier,
0: I had no idea curling was so new. It's always evolving. Well, it's not that new, but you know, but new to the as an Olympic
2: sport. Yeah, Yeah.
1: (laughs) it makes me wonder what's out there right now that's trying to get added to the games, either winter or summer. You know,
2: like what's what are the demonstration sports this year? Yeah, ice volleyball, ice volleyball.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is that would be something to watch. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we hope
2: you all get really into the Olympics. Yes, (laughs) definitely. You know, we will
0: be Mm
1: -hmm. happy Olympics. (laughs) See you next week
0: thanks for listening links from today's episode can be found in the show notes on our website whatyourreadanddo.com we'd love to hear from you if you have anything that piqued your interest or you want to share email us at wrdpod at gmail.com maybe we'll feature you on the pod you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts and also on instagram at wrdpod follow us to stay up to date on future episodes like leave a review tell a friend you get the idea Music for this podcast is created by Kalindo. Find him on Instagram at TheRealKalindo. Stay inspired and we'll see you next week.